of you talking about songs preparing for the message. I had about a month ago, I had uh, text brother Josh and I said, do you know the song, Though He Slay Me, Yet Will I Trust in Him? He said, I don't know it, but I'll look it up. And uh, I said, well, I'm going to be preaching at the end of the month on that text from Job chapter 13. I'd like for you to turn there with me tonight. Job chapter 13 and verse 15. Thank you, folks, for the tremendous job that you did on that song and all the music tonight. What a blessing to my heart. As you know, uh, preaching on Job, we preached about eternity. Last week, we preached about heaven and sang a lot about heaven. Last Sunday night, we preached about grief from this book. He lost his children, uh, seven sons and three daughters. He lost his house. He lost his livestock. He lost his way of making a living. Uh, he lost his health and uh, had to even take broken pieces of pottery and scrape himself for all those boils that were on him. Uh, everything but his wife and his life was taken from him. And he makes this statement, and we'll look at some text in Job, where Job does have some periods of doubting and up and down, but this is pretty much the central text of the book. In Job 13, verse 15, he makes this statement, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. No, no matter what happens, if he kills me, and he was wondering whether God was going to kill him or not, or uh, what he had done and his friends were trying to get him to believe that it was some kind of underlying sin that was causing all of this. Elihu, or Elihu, depending on what emphasis you put the syllable on, uh, as you look at what he said, that of the four friends, he spoke the most truth uh, to Job. And if you look with me at chapter 35 and verse 14, chapter 35 and verse 14, Elihu who said this, verse 14, although thou sayest thou shalt not see him, yet judgment is before him. Therefore trust thou in him. Now, what I like about that is because I like friends who are going to speak the truth to me. And they're going to speak truths about God. A lot of folks will say, well, I want friends to just tell me what I need to hear or want to hear. And they're just going to basically uh, give me some things, but everything's going to be all right and pat me on the back. I, we don't need that. I uh, was reading this week about John Newton. We sang Amazing Grace uh, today because we preached about this morning on the uh, three things that started with G. Uh, we talked uh, about greetings today. Uh, we talked uh, about the uh, grace of God and how that from the beginning of, of the books that Paul wrote, uh, we're talking about especially about Philippians, he started that book with grace and ended with grace. And so we we preached about uh, uh, those texts, but we also sang Amazing Grace. John Newton, 
as you know, saved out of a very wicked lifestyle, and uh, it tells that story in uh, the song he wrote, Amazing Grace. But when his wife was dying of cancer, uh, he said, I was not supported by lively, sensible consolations, but I was supported by bringing to my mind some great and leading truths of the Word of God. He said, I, I, I spoke truth to myself, and when we're going through difficult times, we've got to speak the truth of God's Word to our own heart. That's not necessarily the case that Job did all the time, but there are things in Job, in the book of Job, that tells us about uh, his trust in God and sometimes his lack of trust. Look with me at chapter 1 of Job, and we're going to look at several passages of Scripture just looking through here, and you can mark the ones you'd like to mark. I've got most of these marked uh, in my Bible already. But Job chapter 1 he says at the end of verse of chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Here he said this, God, you have given and you've taken away. And it wasn't always that way through the whole book. I, I commented that Job grew spiritually through the book of Job. And, and from the beginning of the book and some wavering up and down, and even in that text in chapter 13 and verse 15, uh, he shows great trust in God, but he actually finishes with a strong, some strong statements about the God of heaven uh, at the end of the book. He... Uh, he had some times of doubt. And folks, don't you look at me like you've never had any times of doubt either. I, I wrote down, I sometimes identify with the man in Mark chapter 9 who says, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. I, I, know, what to, I know what to believe. I, I know what the Bible says and, I, and I, I want to believe the truth. But boy, all kinds of things are permeating our mind to to doubt him, and yet I love that. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. The key is getting to know God, and through the adversities of life, someone has said that adversity has its advantages. Adversity has its advantages, and it often reveals to us how we can trust a trustworthy God. In chapter 22, Verse 21, Job, just some of the texts that I, I marked, read through again this week. He says, I preach this on this about peace. He says, acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Get to know Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, that I may know him. I think of, of Job's own attitude toward the word of God uh, in 
chapter 23 and verse uh, 12, he says, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. More than my, the food that I eat, I have esteemed the words of God's mouth. His attitude toward God. I, uh, I went into a hospice office to apply for a hospice position uh, right after I moved to Rock Hill. This has been, uh, let's see, 2011. And I went to several hospice places. I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I knew that I wasn't going to pastor at that particular time. I was uh, actively involved in the church at Harvest Baptist Church in, in Rock Hill. My best friend, Dr. Marsh Fant, uh, was the pastor. He was counseling me, uh, Tony Miller. I was meeting with Tony Miller once a month down in Greenville at Morningside Baptist Church. and I... Uh, I just it was I had a difficult difficult ministry situation staff situation and resigned and had lost my wife and I uh, I read in the Psalms I took just took great comfort uh, someone has said that there's 150 encouragers there in that Psalms and I I took great comfort from the Psalms I read Job and I got to Job 42. And uh, I read verse 5 where Job said this to the Lord. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Yes, God, I heard about you, but when I went through all that I've gone through now, I see you up close. And the opportunities that God avails to us through adversity we get a chance to get a close glimpse of God. I Now my eye seeth thee. So I walked into this hospice office and uh, I had not made an appointment. I just was going around taking a resume. I uh, have a civil engineering background. I, I uh, Engineering had changed so much in computers and use of computers and CAD programs and all kinds. I, I didn't... I didn't really fit in after 40-something years out of the civil engineering field. So I, I went to uh, this hospice office, and the fellow behind the desk, the secretary, introduced me to him and said, this is our, this is our administrator, and uh, I shook hands with him. And he said, if I don't seem too happy, it's uh, uh, my father died last week. And I said, um, I'm here to apply for a hospice uh, position. Uh, I said, but is that a Bible you have on your desk there? He said, yes. I said, do you mind if we open it? And so he said, no, that'd be great. And so we opened the scriptures and I turned him to Job 42 and verse 5. And I said, there are lessons you will learn about God in adversity that you could not have learned any other way. I said, could I have a word of prayer with you now? And I prayed with him. He said, when will you start as the chaplain here? <laughs> he said, you have been a chaplain to me. I know you can do it to our hospice patients out in the field. And I was hired on the spot after sharing Job 42, verse 5, with the administrator of a hospice company. Lessons we learn about God. 
Notice with me chapter 12 and verse 13 of Job. By the way, I've never had uh, this happen any time before and any time since. That administrator said, uh, are you wanting to work 40 hours? I said, I, don't, I can't work any less. I don't know how to, I've got to support myself. He said, what would you like to make per hour? I, I mean, I didn't know how to label hundreds of dollars. I mean, I don't know what to say. But I'd done some research that uh, a chaplain in the areas in, in Charlotte at that time made about $25 an hour. And I said, $25 an hour. And I said, I'll take a federal rate for the mileage. And uh, he said, that'll be fine. That'll be fine. It won't work every time he shared Job 42.5. I'm just going to tell you that. <laughs> but God orchestrated those circumstances just like he orchestrates the adversity uh, in our lives. Chapter 12 and verse 13. He said, Job is answering here, and he says, With him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. His understanding is infinite, the scripture says. Chapter 36 and verse 5. I'm having your turn all over, but I want you to see what Job is learning about trusting his God through this book. Again, he wavers up and down. Elihu is, is speaking here and he says, Behold, God is mighty and despiseth not any. He is mighty in strength and wisdom. <laughs> I want a friend speaking that to me. And Job needed that from this particular, the fourth friend that speaks. Our creator God who hangs the earth on nothing, Job 26, 7 says, is the one who is in charge of the adversities that we go through. Job 37, it says in verse 11, he also by watering the weary the thick cloud, he scattereth his bright cloud and is turned around about by his counsels that they may do whatever he commandeth them upon the face of the earth of the world and the earth. Here's God controlling the weather. He calls it to come whether for correction or for his hand or for mercy. He hearken unto, unto this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Consider the wondrous works of God. And I wrote an amen after that in my Bible. Verse 22, fair weather cometh out of the north and with God is terrible our awesome majesty. Touching the almighty, we cannot find him out. He is excellent in power and judgment and plenty of justice he will not afflict. Men do therefore fear him. He respecteth not any that are wise of heart. Here again, speaking truths about God. God controls it all. Here, the God had the same wind that had destroyed the house and killed the, the children is the one that God is in charge of the wind. He's the master 
of the wind. In chapter 38, verse 1, he says, Then God answered Job, How? Out of the whirlwind. He's in charge. Verse 4, Where hast thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? When were you, where were you, Job? The Lord says, When I laid the foundation of the earth. He, he goes, later on, he says this in verse 6, he says, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Who, who put down the builders know about the importance of that first stone that you set in the foundation, or first concrete block in the foundation? Who, who was there when, that, when I laid that for the earth? Why, a God that's all-powerful, a God who's in charge. Then chapter 39 in verse 12, wilt thou believe him? That he will bring home thy seed and gathereth it into thy barn. He's the God that gives the increase. And for Job, at the end of the book, he gave back to him double what he had taken away. Even in children, you say, well, how did he get 20 kids? He had 10 more down here and 10 up there. But God gave the increase. He gave him back. He said, will you believe him? God is indeed in charge. And then chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contendeth with the Almighty instruct him? Are you, are you going to tell me about how I need to run things? He that reproveth God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. He said, just like Isaiah, who saw the Lord high and lifted up in Isaiah 66. Isaiah 6, he said, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. When he saw the Lord, the holy God of, of, of the Bible, lifted up. Here is Job said, uh, well, I'm a vile man because nobody can argue with God and win. Nobody can argue with God and win. As I realized what Job had said and what he did, chapter 42, you can read it on your own, but boy, what a, what a chapter uh, on his view of God. You say, well, preacher, I know people that have died, and, and you hear people make statements like, well, they died way too early. Godly men and women die at young ages, but not early. Because God is in charge of every day. He has our days numbered. Our God is still loving. Our God is still good. Our God is still faithful. He's merciful. He's sovereign. And the character of my God never changes. He never changes. In counseling or sometimes in our own families, uh, sometimes in our own children, grandchildren, uh, there's marriage difficulties, there's loss of children uh, or a miscarriage or a loss of a child or, or a loved one very close or a close friend that passes away. Or maybe just grief over... Uh, a child or a grandchild who once attended Christian school or was homeschooled or involved in 
memorizing scripture who seem to walk with Christ for a few years and then they don't have anything to do with God now. Probably the number one thing that I pray with people in churches about today is children who've gone astray. Grief over a child or grandchild, a rebellious child, or indifferent to spiritual things. Life is filled with all kinds of difficulties. Flat tires. Uh, there are difficult, matter of fact, the Bible teaches in Job that just as sure as sparks fly upward from a fire, our life is going to be filled with trouble. All kinds of trouble. And Job's life was filled with trouble. What do I learn when I go through difficult times? Or what should I be speaking to myself? Brother Graham, you spoke today to me as I prayed with you about Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee, God said. Can I tell you something? That when I'm going through adversity... God is with me. If he is for us, who can be against us? He's for me. He loves me with an everlasting love. Our God is infinite in his goodness. He knows what is best for me. He is working for my good and for his glory. He is in control. I encourage myself with these truths. And even though I don't understand the whys, Lord, why am I going through this? I understand that God has never changed. He's infinite in wisdom. Romans chapter 11, if you'll turn over there with me, I'm speaking on Friday night at a men's group at Harvest Baptist Church in Rock Hill. They call it Jim, G-E-M, gentlemen eating meat. And this is an, an honor of the hog on Wednesday, on the Friday night, but I'm supposed to speak uh, 20 to 25 minutes on God's wisdom versus man's wisdom. And Romans chapter 11 will be part of our text. Romans chapter 11 beginning in verse 33. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. Notice verse 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. Our God is infinite in his wisdom. He's the one who is making right choices even if we don't understand why. We need to trust him. We need to obey him. Our faith, our trust in God comes through the scriptures. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. By hearing and work the scriptures, we're growing in our faith. The Spirit of God teaches us, the Word of God teaches us to trust God, even in the times of adversity. Leighton Talbert, who uh, was in Miss Hatcher's 
uh, her husband was in that church down in Mount Pleasant. He wrote a book called Not By Chance. It's on the providence of God. It, it has been very helpful to me. I have a copy of it, and I have known him for a long, long time. Leighton Talbert said about God and what God is doing, he said, he said in that, he said, the providence of God is the essence of biblical faith. We are taking God at his word. What God has said, he will do, that simple faith. Jerry Bridges in his book, Trusting God, said, it is only as we know God in, his, in a personal way that we come to trust him. Job knew nothing about this meeting in heaven that took place in the first two chapters of the book of Job. But Satan and God were talking. And he said, look, you can take everything but his life. Take everything but his life. And he will not curse you. And he didn't. He doubted, he wavered, but he didn't. Nothing, not even a virus, escapes his care and control. God is continually at work in every aspect, in every moment of our lives. A few years ago, we were praying at the church, uh, people asking us to pray on a Wednesday night and giving a prayer request, and they told about two Christian bikers, motorcycle riders, who were riding in a, in a benefit uh, ride in a motorcycle group and a, a, a car coming just couldn't stop. A young driver drove and hit both of those motorcycles and killed those two Christians. Is God still in charge? He's still in charge. He's still in charge. Some friends of ours several years ago shared a, a story with us about going out to an airfield to, to um, have their family fly in an airplane that a friend of theirs owned. And they went out to the airfield and uh, just they couldn't get everybody in that one plane. And so the, the pilot, who was a great friend of their families, said, uh, your grandson here didn't get to fly. Do you mind if I take him up for a minute? And they said, no, that'll be fine. And the plane took off, and the plane crashed and killed the pilot and that grandson. Is God still in charge? Is he the one still in control? In uh, October of 1966, in Wales, a coal mine slime uh, runoff came down a steep hill. You may remember the story. I remember uh, reading about it uh, in the past. It was a coal mine slime tip that slid down a steep hill in October of 1966 in Wales. It came uh, down, and the tragic part of it was that it came into a school, and there were five teachers and 109 students that were killed. BBC uh, there interviewed a, a pastor 
And the pastor made this statement. This seems to show us that the Almighty has made a mistake. Can I tell you, God doesn't make any mistakes. God doesn't make any mistakes. He doesn't make a mistake and we get the diagnosis of cancer or somebody that we love does. I've done, I work, if, if you want to, the hospice situations are, are difficult situations. And I have had people with all kinds, from children all the way to 100-year-old people in hospice care that I've dealt with as a chaplain. And all kinds of illnesses. But I volunteered for several years uh, for hospital chaplains. And, uh, and they'd have a, a full-time chaplain, then they'd have a, some volunteer chaplains. And we'd be on call, and, and uh, Linda remembers the stories uh, in the last nine and a half years over in Whiteville. I'd get a call, and I'd go in, and they said, uh, there's been a shooting, or there's been a, a bad wreck, and one or two people killed, and... And I, we want you to go in into the emergency room at the hospital. And the family's in a certain room in there, and I want you to go in and speak with them there. I have seen some of the toughest things to watch people go through in shootings and wrecks and suicides and all kinds of things as a, as a hospital volunteer chaplain. One of the things I try to do to first find out if they know the Lord and then offer them what God has to say that God makes no mistakes. He's still in charge. His love for them is not stopped now. He's still good. And sometimes they're not ready to hear it right at the time as they're just found out about their, the passing of their loved one. But often a track or a little encouraging booklet on grief or something like that has, has been helpful. God is enough. He's enough for all circumstances of our life. As you know, we're following, praying for Sierra Durking. She and her family, David, they, they work in the children's ministry at Harvest Baptist Church where Linda and I are uh, a, a part of that church. We're hardly ever there now. We listen online uh, to the messages here and, and uh, watch during the fellowship song uh, to see who's here on Wednesday nights and, and uh, pray with a prayer request that you pray for because you folks have become very dear to us here. And so we watch online, which I don't, I'm not an online person. I don't like believing that the best thing to do is to worship God in your pajamas and eat donuts and stuff like that <laughs> during the service. But we hardly ever go. We, we're here on Sundays and we're online on Wednesdays and, and we will be with those men uh, Friday night. But Sierra and David are involved in the children's program at Harvest Baptist Church, have been for years. Uh, her parents 
Jeff and Brenda Smith are some of the dearest people you'd ever want to meet, some fine Christian people. Uh, Jeff plays in the orchestra there at Harvest. David, Sierra's husband, plays in the orchestra at Harvest Baptist Church as well. And uh, he, one of the times we were there, he played an offertory on the piano, just did a terrific job on that. So they traveled, David and Sierra, and the two young boys traveled to Pennsylvania to uh, visit family. One of the young boys has meningitis and is taken to the hospital. Sierra goes into the hospital to stay on a trip now, stays in the hospital with the boy who has meningitis. In there, whether she had it before or she got it in the hospital, still to be known, she got an infection. That infection ran through her body. And as many of you who are following, some of you are following, I don't, I don't have Facebook or as the old country deacon I had over in, uh, in Whiteville says, I don't have Facebook. Uh, I'm not on Facebook, but my kids will take a picture or Joanna uh, Smith will get something from Matt in Columbia, South America and do a screenshot and then Joanna will send it to me as she did this week. She got an infection in her body. They've amputated her arms. They've amputated her, her legs. And each time that we hear the story, even this week, they had to cut a little farther up the, uh, on, on the right arm is the shortest one. And then on the left arm this week, they thought they were going to have to take three to five inches more off of that and didn't have to take quite as much. But the boys got to come in to see her mama. And they took a picture of that. And we got to see the boys standing at her, the mama's hospital bed. If you read the the updates on Facebook that are the ones that I get by those screenshots. David is saying, I'm so glad God is our refuge and our strength. They are, there are lessons, David says, that he is learning through this, just as Job learned. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Did you know that God makes no mistakes with Sierra? He made no mistakes in Esther's life or Joseph's life. And Job, in Genesis 50 and 20, told his friends, I think about Joseph, and we won't preach probably on that here, but I love to preach on chapters 37 to 50. Though in the pit or in prison or in the palace, the character of Joseph did not change. God was still at work in his life. And he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Genesis 50 and verse 20. The orchestrating of the events in Ruth's life or Lydia on the riverbank in Acts 16 or Paul in prison or in the shipwreck. Psalm 18 verse 30 says, as for God, his way is perfect. As for God, his way is perfect. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and of great power. 
His understanding is infinite. His understanding is infinite. Someone has counted that in the book of Job, Job asked why 16 times. Yes, why 16 times. But did you know God never answered the why? God never answered the why. See, God is working and was working in Job's life as he is in ours. He's not working that we'll get understanding down here. He's developing holiness in our life, by the way, and not happiness. We don't need to know. It's all right to ask as long as we're not asking in an accusing way, never accusing God. But we can ask the whys, but we may never get the answer to why, but we need to understand the who. Who is working for our best? For Job, God never answered why, but he answered who? God is in charge. And Job, as God desired, got to know God. Job got to know God. Indeed, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. I've told God this before myself. God, I don't understand. I don't understand. But the truths of God as we fill our minds with the scriptures and our minds are transformed by the word of God and we speak the truth to our heart, we could say with Job, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. The character of God, I, I love the love of Calvary. But God commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Did you know he knew me and he still loved me? And if he loved me enough to settle my biggest problem, need to be rescued from my sin and a home in heaven instead of hell, don't you think he could take care of the other areas of my life as well? Someone has said that they liked buttermilk biscuits when they were growing up. I don't know. Uh, my, uh, my daddy and mama, they uh, were from Arkansas, and we grew up in South Carolina, Somerville, down around Charleston. Both mama and daddy loved buttermilk with cornbread in it. Any of you like that, too? I see our hands all over this place over here. Uh, I thought it was buttermilk was medicine. I thought it was supposed to be given as medicine. Uh, my nephew, his mama, uh, sometimes he was in the public school system he was in. He would learn some words he wasn't supposed to say. And so if he said some of those words, his mama would give him buttermilk until she learned to find out that he loved buttermilk. <laughs> Somebody said that those buttermilk biscuits, though, if you take each of the ingredients in the biscuits, Marco, if you take them 
as individual ingredients, they taste nasty. But you put them together and you mix them up and put them in the oven. Oh, boy. You put them in the oven and put your little pure maple syrup, a little butter on top of it, and maybe a little bit of how about molasses on the top of it. Put something on it like that, and boy, you've got something. Did you know that God takes, if we looked at all the different things of our life as individual things, they seem tragic to us, adversities, but he takes each one of those and mixes them all up and puts them in his oven of adversity. And one day we'll be able to say, it's good. It's good. It's good. He's working for our good. He blends all of life's situations together. And we can say it's good. Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my Father's wise bestowment, I have no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. He gives unto each day what he deems best. Even in the midst of our troubles and adversities, he's using it to make us better and not bitter. We're learning dependence through our adversity. We have the idea, and this is what our society is trying to teach us, we can do it on our own. I'm sufficient for the task for myself. I'm self-reliant. And God brings adversity into our life and we could say with Jesus that without him we can do nothing. John 15 verse 5. Without him we can do nothing. We need to lean on him and we're learning to lean on him through our times of adversity the song we love to sing here, where could I go but to the Lord? That's, that's pleasing to God. He wants us to get to the place where we say, I'm, I'm dependent upon my God alone. And I find in him that he's more than enough. And the lessons that I'm learning, I'm learning in the times of adversity that I could not have learned any other way. Filling my life with his word, as I said, Linda will tell you too, when her husband died, she, she went straight to the Psalms and began to read the Psalms. God-dependent prayer, sometimes a one-word prayer, help! Finding comfort that only he can give. Finding great encouragement when the church of God, people who loved us and care for us, speak truths about God to us. It encourages us in times of difficulty. For we learn as Job learned, I can trust the character of a trustworthy God. I can trust the character of a trustworthy God. Tonight, you may be here and you say, preacher, I'm going through some situations or you won't believe what's happening to my grandpa or my grandchildren or my children or 
whatever situation. Job would tell us, we can learn from his example or from David's example, that what time I'm afraid I will trust in him. We can learn from Job's example, though he slay me, I'm going to trust him because he is a God who can be trusted. Let's bow for prayer. Before we pray, who would say tonight, Pastor, in a general way, would you remember me in the closing prayer? I know in our own family, we've got some grandchildren situations that are going on, things we thought we had never faced. And some other things in our own life and friends of ours who are facing illnesses and uh, Alzheimer's and all kinds of things, people dear, very dear to us. How many by uplifted hand would say, Pastor, I've got some things I'm going to need a big God to handle. And would you in a general way pray for me in the closing prayer if you're like that? Yes, I see hands all over. Pray for me. I've got something that a big God needs to handle. Father, you've seen hands and more importantly, you see hearts and you know that some of them are aching through some difficult situations in their own life and family and friends and co-workers and schoolmates. But God, I thank you that Job has taught us that, Lord, his, he doubted and things went up or down. But he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And I pray that tonight we would realize that God, through difficulties that we'll go through, we're in the training ground now. Today is some training ground. We don't know what kind of adversity we'll face even tomorrow. But I pray, God, that you'd help us to speak the truth of God to our heart today and tomorrow and the next day so that no matter what the difficulty, we can trust a trustworthy God. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name.